Software Engineering Radio Episode 25, Software Architecture Part 2. Okay, welcome to another episode of Software Engineering Radio. This is part two of the software architecture series. Uh, on the microphone is uh, Markus. And Michael. And um, I think this is another one of the relatively theoretical episodes where we talk about concepts. In later architectural episodes, we'll probably talk more about practical issues. The first thing we want to talk about in this episode is something we call quality attributes or quality characteristics or quality requirements or non-functional requirements um, with regards to software architecture. So when you build a software architecture, then you probably always have to make a lot of compromises and you have to balance uh, several requirements. And those requirements can be uh, grouped into several different categories. There is for one, the runtime requirements, runtime characteristics of a system, uh, things like performance, scalability, availability, usability, and security. Then there is the structural attributes, um, things like maintainability, portability, reusability, integratability, and testability. <laughs> and then we have the business aspects, things like time to market, cost, lifetime, and rollout schedule. Um, so we'll basically first talk about the illities uh, performance illity probably is the term that's still missing here. So, um, Michael, do you want to start uh, explaining performance? Yeah, I uh, will start off with performance and just to mention that like runtime attributes, there's also another term uh, sometimes regularly used uh, called operational requirements. This term uh, got used by Kevin Henney, for example, in an article he called uh, Inside Requirements. And structural attributes like maintainability and portability, he calls them developmental uh, requirements. Okay, right. but come back, coming back to performance. Um, performance, well, has, has two kinds uh, of, of flavors. Uh, one is latency, so basically the time a system needs to react on an external event. And the other is throughput on how many events, for example, per second uh, get processed through the system. And uh, latency is uh, one thing that is especially important in real-time systems and soft real-time systems. It's not a big fault when a deadline is missed, so when the latency gets exceeded, but in, in true uh, hard real-time requirements, it's actually a fault then uh, when the latency gets too, gets too large and the deadline gets missed. On the other hand, uh, the throughput way of measuring performance is more relevant for transaction systems and business systems as opposed to latency in embedded systems. Okay, and, and whether uh, you achieve high or low performance is dependent on, on a lot of things. It's dependent on your hardware, on how well you designed your algorithms, what kind of algorithms you used, what uh, kind of communication overhead head you have inside, and uh, the memory available, bandwidth. So all impacts uh, in, in some way or the other um, the performance of the system. And it is important to, to mention that performance is defined as we explained before, 
at a specific configuration of your system. So if you know that, for example, you have to process a certain number of events in a real-time system, you can tune your system so that it optimally performs for this set of events. So the performance is um, specific for a, for a certain well-defined configuration of the system. Yeah, the, the performance uh, requirement actually has to be associated with some well-defined use case and configuration uh, so that you actually can measure then in your system test or in your final integration test whether you actually achieve that performance. So just a single performance number without giving a use case uh, wouldn't be a good requirement for a development team. Another reason why it's important to stress this configurations thing is uh, if we compare performance with scalability, which is the next point we want to talk about. Um, scalability describes the fact that a system can keep its performance or degrade only slightly if you put more load onto the system. Now, of course, um, if you have a certain configuration and the system performs well, then you cannot expect to add 10 times the load and the system has the same performance if you keep the hardware the same. So, of course, scalability includes the idea that you can add twice as many machines and your performance is the same as before if your load doubles. Or said the other way around, if you keep the system configuration, your hardware, your uh, resources the same, then if you add twice as much load, the system should only get twice as slow or half as fast. <laughs> the degradation of performance over the load should be linear or nearly linear. And that is especially important for enterprise systems where the environment, the load on the system is not always known. If you start a website and you expect that you have, I don't know, 1000 hits per minute or hour, doesn't matter, and then your, your website becomes more popular and you get 5000 hits per whatever time period, then of course you should be able to, to add a reasonable amount of hardware so that um, things don't get too bad or too expensive respectively. The next uh, quality uh, attribute we want to discuss is availability. And availability is basically um, a factor, a percentage uh, calculated by taking the mean time to failure divided by the mean time to failure plus the mean time to repair. So availability means that your system should be up and running at least that percentage of, of the time. Reliability, on the other hand, uh, is defined solely by the mean time to failure, so um, how often uh, a failure occurs in your system. And, and that's really important to mention. If you have a system that fails every hour but automatically reboots using some kind of watchdog and the reboot boot only takes a second and people don't notice this outage time of one second, then you probably don't have a problem. There are many, or at least several, embedded systems which do crash from time to time, but their rebooting uh, time is so quick that the availability is still very high. Right? Um, yeah. So you also have to define uh, what actually a failure is. So is a, is a failure already when you miss a deadline, like in a real-time system? 
or is low throughput uh, also considered to be a failure when the system is basically not responsive to user requests anymore? Right, so um, one should maybe uh, extend the definition we said before that the availability is more or less the time during which the system is up and running, free of failures. Maybe we should add, and with the specified quality of service, right? Yeah, so right. Because if a degradation of quality of service constitutes a failure, then it's really, really important to, to give this term, it's, it's, yeah, you, to mention that term prominently. The next uh, attribute we want to discuss is usability. And usability has, has some also multiple kinds of flavors. For example, learnability. Um, how long does it take for an end user to learn uh, on how to work with the system? Or efficiency on how efficient can a user actually operate? How is the user interface designed? How, how well can get the user get its job done? Uh, the other thing is uh, at developmental uh, time, um, how easy is the API uh, to learn? How, um, how does the API uh, protect the programmers from, from making mistakes? This is basically about a programming model um, that the API supports. Is this awkward or is it just uh, straight and, and easy to get and easy to get right actually? Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see these two terms, learnability and efficiency, because it's often the case that a system that is easy to learn, so it's quite obvious how to use it initially, is not always very efficient if people have to work with it a lot. So this is some of the reasons why web UIs and, and rich clients are often uh, considered kind of more or less rather different concepts because web UIs are easy to learn, but they're not very efficient to use if you have to do a lot of work with them. So those two specifically are often kind of in conflict. The last kind of flavor is the memorability, uh, if that term exists, uh, and that is basically how uh, well can a user remember on how to achieve its task? Does he have to uh, search the buttons and menu items every time when he uses the application and didn't use it for a while? Or is it just uh, so easy that he doesn't need to look up into help and, and browse around to find the right icon? Right. And again, this probably ties into learnability because if it's easy to learn, then it's probably also easy to relearn, which is more or less the same as memorizing what you did before. The next requirement is a very diverse one, which is security. Um, and we probably have to do a couple of episodes on software security uh, separately. And also you should listen to the Security Now podcast, by the way. But um, the point is that there are different kinds of security. So first there is the authentication problem. So people or users that haven't properly authenticated to the system shouldn't be able to use it. The other thing is uh, authorization. So once your user has been authenticated, so it's basically allowed to use your system, you have to specify or determine which parts of the system he can use and how, which resources to access, which data to access, which functions, which features to use. Uh, this is called authorization. There are other kinds of securities. One is obviously the thing that if you um, move your data over a network, you should probably encrypt it. Um, you should uh, be safe against uh, various kinds of uh, hacking 
uh, attacks things like trying to exploit buffer overflows or another problem is denial of service attacks if you have a, a system that faces the web or a network your system should be robust against denial of service attacks although this is non trivial um, do you have anything else to to add to the security thing no i think you you covered it from a high level and details will come later in later episodes Right. So maybe one last comment on security. There is a common understanding in the architecture world and also in the security world that it's probably not possible to add security uh, after the fact. Security should be designed in from the start. And that's something that many people don't really take to heart. And so many systems are not very secure because people thought, oh, we can add security after the fact. And then it, it didn't work out. The next uh, developmental requirement is maintainability that we want to discuss and that is basically how well can you extend or change uh, your system after you have deployed it uh, once. And um, for this um, it, it's basically about refactoring. Uh, that is a term which got used lately in the last few years intensively and it's about uh, removing uh, features, it's about changing features, changing implementations, um, extending it uh, to new scenarios, new requirements, or just adapting the whole solution to a new environment like a new application server platform or a new operating system. A specific kind of uh, maintainability is portability. Um, you probably want to be able to uh, run the system on various kinds of environments, specifically on different operating systems, on different hardware, on different networks. Uh, this is especially important in the embedded world where you usually have various configurations of systems running on different uh, hardware platforms. At least in the automotive world, we've had this problem uh, regularly and you have to do a lot of non-trivial things to be able to run your system on different environments. Um, the point is, of course, that you should, if, if you talk about portability, then uh, you want to be able to run the system um, ideally simultaneously um, on those different platforms. Simultane simultaneously means that you shouldn't have to manually change your code base in order to run it on different um, environments. Um, so, so maintainability, portability, both of these are about managing variabilities and handling variabilities and representing variabilities in your system. And uh, the reason why I mentioned that is that we will have a separate episode later in this podcast um, about variabilities and then even further in the future about product lines, which is basically about formalizing those variabilities even further. Another uh, term we want to define here is reusability. And this basically specifies how easily parts of the system can be reused in another system. And that is also, uh, of course, uh, the general reuse topic and especially uh, important in the context of software product lines, software product families, where you have multiple products based on the same components, based on the same core assets and you want to reuse those parts maybe in slightly adapted or configured uh, versions. So reusability is not just about uh, inheritance, what basically OO tried and in my opinion never truly achieved uh, the reuse. 
but it goes even further of um, using basically all means to ensure that a software uh, software component can be reused at a later time. Another one is integratability. Um, it's also a rather strange term, I guess. <laughs> um, so it spe specifies how easy it is to uh, develop parts of the system separately and integrate them later on. Uh, modularizability could be another term. So um, th the point is, if you have a big system, then it's unlikely that you can uh, develop all parts of the system in one go, in one team, at one location, and you have to make sure that the separate parts that you have to define can be well separated then also, and then later on uh, integrated together again well. Testability is the next term and the next requirement we want to discuss. And uh, this is basically about how to make sure that you can demonstrate that your system does what it is supposed to do. That you can test it easily and that starts off with uh, unit tests, module tests, uh, until you reach the integration and, and system tests. Um, depending on large, how large and complex your system is, uh, you might rely on all of these uh, testing steps. And uh, the architecture, it's, it's a concern, it's a, it's a property of your architecture on how easy it is uh, to test it, to verify that it does what it's supposed to do. Right, and again, this is a big topic that we'll cover in future episodes uh, specifically. Um, there is one rather recent trend which says that if you build your system so it's easily testable, then it's probably well-structured. So using testability as a means to drive the quality of your of your architecture is something that has gained a lot of uh, importance recently and we'll cover that in later episodes. Um, so now we covered runtime and structural um, quality attributes or operational and developmental um, attributes and we briefly want to mention um, some of the business aspects although we really want to do that only briefly because uh, I mean this is a technical podcast. We don't want to talk too much about business things. But the point is that um, if you consider things like time to market or cost or the lifetime or the rollout schedule of your of your system, then often those uh, business-related quality attributes or architectural attributes are in conflict with some of the technical attributes we discussed before. And uh, in a minute, we'll, we'll explain some of these um, conflicts a bit in more detail. The point is that um, those business aspects are typically represented and enforced and taken care of by non-technical people, uh, i.e. managers. And that's also why some of them are in conflict with, with some of the technical terms because different people, different interests, different groups represent them. So you always have a conflict of interest or at least a conflict of viewpoints and, and priorities. Yeah, those terms are um, time to market. Um, when are we expected to deliver our solution to the first customer? Um, it's cost, how many uh, resources, how many developers can I afford, how many managers, uh, how, uh, what kind of effort do I spend for, for testing? It's uh, about a rollout schedule. Um, do I have to be uh, full up and running? No t uh, failures, no no bugs inside for the when I uh, start to enter the market, or can I afford to have some some bugs in there and do the final system testing 
with the customers as some uh, big software vendors actually try to do. Yeah, Marcus? Um, I just want to add that, that something we didn't talk about before is quality in general. So there might be systems which do have bugs, but you will leave them in the system because time to market is more important. So another quality attribute is just the number of bugs in your system. And you might specifically want to make compromises. So you might want to leave bugs in the system because fixing the, fixing them would be too costly or would uh, basically uh, kill your time to market. Yeah, and there's something that we software people just uh, learn to accept that basically no system is free of bugs. You will always have a bug in there. It will. It just depends on how critical that bug will be and how often um, or when it will occur. Right, bug that nobody notices probably doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I had an idea about... Um, you mentioned uh, that only non-technical people are responsible for those. What I really liked is uh, when the technical lead or the software architect actually got involved in those business aspects and was at least involved in the discussions and about that uh, so that he he knew what under which pressure he actually is and and what are the the concerns and and basically the the frame in which the development team operates right i agree completely the the point why i mentioned that before is that in many projects that what you described is not the case and therefore a lot of problems result of course in in, in a good a well managed project your technical leaders uh, will at least at least the leaders will care about those business aspects absolutely when development is involved in this discussion then it's just easier to deal with um, the short time to market that we always have and we just know what the constraints are it's easier to deal with them so one suggestion would be to make those business aspects uh, quite transparent to the development team well not not stress the development team, but keep it right. informed, make it not worry about it, but make it know about it. Exactly. I think this distinction is really critical that you have a kind of firewall between the requirements and your customer and your uh, developers. That doesn't mean that developers should, should ignore these things or not be told, but somebody, somewhere there has to be some separation so that people don't get, as you said, don't get stressed all the time. Right. Um, as we mentioned before, um, those uh, quality attributes are, of course, in an ideal system, you will have you know 100% of all of them, well scalable, no bugs, very maintainable. Um, but in practice, that's often not realistic. So you have to strike a compromise um, and basically say, okay, we explicitly reduce this illity and therefore increase another illity. And um, so as a consequence, your system might probably be, for example, less maintainable, but it might perform better. And um, we'll, we'll come up with a couple of examples and specific conflicts in a minute. Um, the point is that you should make those decisions explicit. I mean, you shouldn't just build a system and then at the end notice, oh, yeah, it's not maintainable, but it's fast. Uh, and that might not be what you want, but rather you should discuss these things in the beginning and say, okay, we our focus is on, for example, performance, and therefore we'll explicitly make compromises with regards to maintainability or portability. So, yeah. I actually uh, like to make uh, my customers uh, 
a priority list of all the LRTs so that I know on which to focus first, on which to focus next. There, there must be just a straight order and not just everything in parallel. Well, achieve uh, scalability and performance and maintainability at the same time. This is just not possible. You have to balance the forces and there will be a preference. You, there's no way around it. Right. It's also one of these things where you often have to educate your customer and really make them think about what they want and where their priorities are. Right. Uh, and another term uh, that comes actually a bit from the pattern community is uh, balancing forces. And so, so balancing forces in software architecture is the is comparable to balancing forces in a, applying a pattern. Um, to a design problem just at a larger scale. Right, so you have to make trade-offs. You have to make trade-offs, right. Yeah. Okay, so let's maybe uh, come to a couple of typical compromises or trade-offs you have to make when looking at the relationships between a couple of quality attributes. And uh, again, uh, each of us will come up with uh, s uh, an example in turn. The first one is performance versus scalability. So for example, you might be able to fine tune your system to a very specific environment so that it comes with a up with a very, very um, optimal performance. But scalability might be bad because if you uh, add additional load, the system, you know, queues might be full or some algorithms might run out of their optimal um, performance characteristics so the system might not scale well although it performs very well for a specific situation. The next conflict is uh, performance versus maintainability and here um, for example to achieve high uh, maintainability uh, a designer developer might uh, just decouple everything, introduce a lot of interfaces for example I saw just recently um, a so-called service-oriented architecture um, and that was in service-oriented architecture down to, to classes, down to little small <laughs> responsibilities and the performance of course uh, then uh, was not uh, <laughs> acceptable anymore <laughs> at all. So um, this was just taking uh, SOA to an extreme and uh, where maintainability might have been good because everything was separated and uh, with its own interface, actually its own remote uh, interface, it was not performing uh, anymore. Right. Um, as usual, if you overdose any medicine, it's probably going to be bad for you. <laughs> so uh, being the medicine here. Um, Another thing is performance versus portability. Um, portability, as we said before, is basically a kind of special case of maintainability, um, kind of. So um, if you want to be portable, you usually have to add all kinds of indirections, microkernels, layers that, that hide some of the specifics of your underlying platform environment. And of course, this layering and this, this, this separation of concerns uh, costs performance. There is one way how you can maybe solve that for example if you have a C program that should be portable you can have all the various platform specifics you know separated using if devs and these kinds of things then the system might be portable as well as perform very well but then it's probably not very maintainable because your code is cluttered with all those if devs and stuff so so again you have to make compromises somewhere the next is uh, availability uh, versus performance. 
And for availability, a typical thing uh, to be, uh, which is done uh, to achieve high availability is checkpointing that you, uh, in your regular call and, and control flow of the system, you store uh, the state, you persist state, so that when failure would occur, it would be easy uh, to resume again. So to minimize the, the mean time to repair, to be up and running again in a consistent uh, state. And so the problem here with performance then is that those uh, checkpoints, that persisting, those checkpoints can be quite expensive. And so um, if you use checkpointing too uh, extensive, your performance will be bad at the end. Another example for this particular conflict, availability versus performance, is also, for example, if you have uh, a system that should be very very highly available, available, then you probably have to have redundant components, like redundant servers or, for example, redundant databases. And uh, depending on the level of availability, you would actually have to have hot standby. So that means that you have the same information on both components. And that, for example, means that whenever you do something in the database, you actually have to do it in two databases um, using, for example, uh, X, the XA uh, transaction coordination protocol for two-phase commit. And that, of course, introduces an overhead and your performance will be reduced. To, to illustrate one of the conflicts between the technical and uh, business aspect, if you want to have a system that is more available, then you have to have you have to make sure that there are fewer bugs in it. You have to probably have to have redundant components, as we mentioned before, and that of course drives cost. So the more available and the more reliable a system should be, the more expensive it's going to be. And that's nicely illustrated if you take a look at systems like. Um, I don't know, I never saw the software of one of these, but for example, the space shuttle or uh, nuclear power plants or uh, live uh, uh, devices that, that you know, pre uh, keep you breathing during an, a medical operation, medical treatment. Um, of course, those systems have to be very, very reliable and very, very available, and developing those systems is extremely, extremely expensive. The next uh, conflict is about usability and versus security. And here a simple example is uh, when you increase the security of your system, you might require to the user to fill in all kind of passwords and tokens and, and generated IDs. Um, and this then really conflicts with the usability. When a user like every day has to do uh, that procedure, to access its data or to read its email. And here features like single sign-on or, or similar mechanisms um, help uh, and basically balance kind of those two forces. You get high security, you but you have to trust that the, the one signed-in uh, user actually stays to be that user and has the sufficient rights. The, the classic example of this usability versus security is Microsoft Windows, right? They added the firewall only, I think, in XP Service Pack 2 because, um, no, actually, they, they, they turned it on by default because earlier uh, Microsoft kind of decided that they didn't want to bother their users with all those, uh, you know, prompts that says, hey, there is some connection coming in. Do you really want to accept the connection and stuff? So this was a classical uh, conflict between usability and security. So before we finish, I guess we should mention that there is also sometimes uh, the, a relationship between those quality attributes where you don't have a conflict, but rather where things um, 
support each other. For example, maintainability can help availability because if your system fails, if you have a maintainable system, it's faster to fix the problem. So your uh, mean time or your actually your, your time to reinstall or rerun or re to fix the system is going down, so your uh, maintainability goes up. So it's not always just conflicts. So at this point, we want to stop for today. Um, this uh, concludes the episode number two on software architecture. In the next episode on software architecture, episode three, um, we'll be talking about how you can actually achieve some of those quality attributes and also show how to resolve some of the conflicts that we mentioned in this episode. So thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. This was another episode of Software Engineering Radio. The Software Engineering Radio team wants to thank Henning Pauli for providing the music, as well as Lipson.com for hosting and bandwidth. For more information on the podcast, past episodes and feedback, go to se-radio.net.